0: Hello, it's Lewis and Megan, your favorite academics in training.
1: I am Lewis Buberg.
0: And I'm Megan Yapchango.
1: And welcome to episode, f- what, four, four of the Yakademia <laughs> podcast. Today, we have on a guest who I believe needs no introduction.
0: But you probably do. But yeah, you like, probably you know, do because you don't know who People is. don't know her. <laughs> so
1: would you like to do the honors of...
0: We have Summer Star with us today who is a unicorn of a person, our Dungeon Master, and the recipient of the GRFP. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Dungeon Master uh, Seance Aficionado. Is that yes. fair to say? Yes. Yeah. Um, Probable
0: Witch. Spiritual Master. Knitting Extraordinaire. Witch. Knitting Extraordinaire.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that's a pretty good...
0: That's a pretty good introduction for that, If I
1: could put that on on a CV <laughs>
0: that'd be accurate. the whole thing. It's like what would come underneath you if, like, you did that, like,
2: that show. Like, yes, like uh, you're, you're being interviewed on, like, MTV Netflix. Next. No. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a bit too very. <laughs> you
2: know, when you're watching, like, a documentary and it yeah. says, like, Charles, penguin expert. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Text, yeah. <laughs> it's like would... two truths and a lie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love mushrooms.
2: Mm-hmm. I had wolf puppies <laughs> and <laughs> I've met Dave Grohl.
1: Wait, what was the first one?
2: I love
0: mushrooms. So Wait, she hasn't so you met, haven't Dave met Dave Grohl. Dave no. Okay. <laughs> I thought I met Dave Grohl one time, but it was just some guy that looked like Dave Grohl. Oh
1: my God! Did you hear what <laughs> happened? No, you guys heard. But our friend uh, West today, he saw our other friend John in the hallway, like collapse and like spill a bunch of things, and then West like went up to him and was like,
0: <laughs> Ha ha! <laughs> and then the guy looked
1: up, and it wasn't our friend. It was a random guy. It's not John. Oh no! He ran away. Yep. Yeah. You want to, uh, you can't you take that off. Why? Because you can play with it the whole time. It's oh. going to click. Can you hear it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I see a blip. Okay. Okay, I can take that off because yeah. I will mindlessly play with that.
1: I'll take mine off too. The whole time. Solidarity. I'm
2: going to leave mine on because I don't have problems. <laughs>
1: <people>. <laughs> also, I can look at the stats for uh, our listeners for the podcast, and we are in three countries, Megan. We have Why the United States, we have Quebec in Canada, and we have Queensland in Australia. So-
0: we're in three countries, but we'd like to be in at least six.
1: So if you know somebody, friend, family, colleague,
0: I thought you were going to say French. Uh, yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, somebody who is not from one of those three countries, mm-hmm. maybe recommend us. Yeah. Get us. Get us more countries. Get the, us on the map. The
0: ideal situation would Color be we have um, at least one listener on every single continent, including Antarctica.
1: Absolutely. You Antarcticans? What's the adjective?
0: You Antarctican, but you can't ar- Antarctican.
1: Actually, we were just talking about that you should put, that you that you are Dungeon Master in your, like, miscellaneous skills. I put of... it
2: on a slide for my committee meeting. Yeah. It's other personal achievements, and then it has a <laughs> picture Of Arnold Schwarzenegger for my lifting, and uh-huh. then a picture of uh, the kids from Stranger Things playing DD. Gotcha. And I'm gonna bring those up to my advisor I'm, as I think personal achievements. I help good. other grad students with creative problem solving and storytelling.
0: That is, I <laughs> mean. Creating
2: a narrative. Cre- You're yeah, not I'm wrong. working on creating a narrative. I'm working on my creative writing while yeah. I work on my technical writing. You're sure. also,
1: you know, thinking on your feet. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: Creative problem solving. Yeah, what problem solving. does everyone want when they're looking for a grad student? What does every advisor want a fucking a dungeon ass, master DM. yeah yep yeah. you should have put like the picture of you as the dead goose also oh that's a good one yeah do you yeah. want to explain that yeah do i want to talk about how i was a dead goose for halloween yes yeah, of course <laughs> so um our beloved friend nick and my roommate uh has so not really the same long... nick
1: we've talked about before by the way different nick
2: is it a different nick yeah I, yeah oh, we, wow. we've we talked about my nick friend nick Myers. Uh, he's nick, not here nicolaus yeah our beloved friend nicolaus um he has long blonde hair and when you moved in and I was like oh this dude looks like Fabio. And my favorite story in the entire universe from the beginning of mankind's written history is the story of how on March 30th, 1999.
1: Oh my god, you know the day. At
2: Bush Gardens Williamsburg, Fabio was called in <laughs> by the park to play the role of Apollo on their new ride Apollo's Chariot. And for the first and only time in roller coaster history, the only time anything like this has ever occurred, Fabio was the victim of a bird strike. Fabio's face collided with a migratory goose that was nesting nearby. It broke Fabio's was it, nose. Was it, was it head on? I don't know that. I think I think it actually hit the cart. And then bounced up into Fabio's Uh face. I like the narrative better that Fabio murdered a goose with his face, (laughs) but yeah, it killed the goose. It broke Fabio's nose. A man known for his facial beauty, okay, Fabio, supermodel, male supermodel, broke his fucking nose. Can I say fucking?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs)
2: Broke his fucking nose. Killed the goose. Peta is also from that same area of Virginia. Uh The headquarters is there. Peta was up in arms. Uh We've got to shut down this roller coaster. It's a problem for migratory birds. Okay, this is the only time anything like that has ever happened. Yeah. And so for Halloween this year. We went as Fabio, my roommate, who did an excellent <laughs> Fabio, by the way. It was good. Absolutely fantastic. And he had, he like, a, right, he had
1: like an open shirt, and, and he then of course he had the, he he the had blood, blood on out his nose.
2: nose. He, he spoke in a strange accent all night. It, just, he? it sounded oh like God. Austrian, although Fabio Lanzoni is Italian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Nick does a
0: generalized European accent. That's just. Yeah. Blanketly wrong. Yeah, it, <laughs> like, was, it was belongs
1: to no country. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I went
2: as a, a dead goose, yep. so, sexy dead goose, sexy dead goose. You uh, got to make it sexy. It incorporates all the elements of Halloween. You've got sexy. You've got DIY. You got geese. geese. <laughs> You've got joke from twenty years ago that no one else thinks is funny but you and your roommate. It's <laughs> you all like, the it's all the things. You like
1: planted that story like ahead of time. I did. You like yeah. made sure that we I would know everyone. well ahead of. I like to think have you just been. For the past twenty years, have you been looking for your Fabio, like, to play this I, part? I think fate in a, in like a...
2: intervened here. I think I wasn't looking for it, but when it happened, it yeah. was, you know, it's like when, like, when you know, you know. When you know, you know. It's yeah. like when you find your soulmate. Nick yeah. is my Fabio soulmate.
1: <laughs> He's your soulmate for that one
0: costume. He is. Yeah. Yes, yes.
2: Yeah. And then uh, my costume before that, that I overplayed for a few years, was Sharknado. N A T O. And it was just a shark shirt, a shirt that I had Velcroed these cardboard sharks to. And I glued little country flags to them. And then I had a helmet with the NATO symbol on it. And that was Shark NATO. And I'm very proud of that. Honestly, Summer
0: wins Halloween
2: I, <laughs> every yes, year. I <laughs> really like visual puns. Yeah. That should have been my intro. This is Summer Star. She loves visual puns. <laughs> we'll put
1: that in the in the in the title.
2: Love it. Love for visual puns. We had puns. to come up with a pun then for my name and episode title.
1: I feel like that would be easy, right? Because both of your names are technically objects. Or, no, I mean, well, <laughs> summer's not an object. Summer's concepts. a concept.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now, no, a star is an object. A star is an object. Well, unless you're thinking about, like, a superstar, like a media star. Then oh, that is, like, I didn't a even concept. think about that. Also,
1: yes. I would
0: just like to note that everyone's name is a noun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you That's are hooked on phonics, name. aren't you? I was hooked on phonics as a child.
1: Do you want to talk a little bit about this campaign that we're working on? I mean... There's, like, one specific part that we have to kind of censor ourselves about, <laughs> and it has to deal with my character.
2: Oh, is it the little boat? Oh, no. No, just, that
1: the, just because... The r*****s. <laughs> the r- Yeah.
2: Okay. I mean, I'm just I mean, playing we, out of a book. But, I mean, this is, a, this is a good segue, honestly, into my research, because I'm just... This is my first ever time... Mm-hmm. DMing oh, a yeah, Dungeons yeah. and Dragons campaign. Uh-huh. So I wanted to play out of a book to make things easier for myself. And I went down to the nerd store mm. and I bought salt marsh because yeah. I work in salt marshes and I thought it was very um Seren- apropos. Serendipitous serendipitous one of those words, one of them big one, words. One of them Scrabble words. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed appropriate for a group who is largely comprised of like marine scientists, I yeah. think. Yeah. This
0: is two things that I want to say. The first one mm. <laughs> is I've decided when I'm a professor established I know what I'm gonna go crazy on and lean really hard into and summer has a plan <laughs> oh my my 50 year plan your 50 yes. year my plan career yeah plan? why don't you tell us your ultimate career plan and okay. then I'll I'll, I'll t- I figured
2: mine out okay yesterday okay all right yeah so I want to become a very well respected researcher in wetland ecology I'm, I'm moderately well cited I get invited
1: I get, to give talks exactly and, yeah.
2: I I have you know a good source of funding. Maybe I've gotten the career grant. And then once this is secured and I've established tenure somewhere, I want to just do a hard 180 into paranormal research. I just want to go full, just hard send on ghost hunting. I want to take all all the money I've gotten, all the grant money for equipment, and I just want to buy spirit boxes and Ouija boards and all that weird connect camera they do in... Ghost Adventure. No, yeah, like they, where the they just, thermal... the dots, the dots that appear. And then use... I like a the dots figure. one. Yeah, I yeah. like the dots one. That one's cool. They
1: don't use a Kinect. Conne- they use a they Kinect. They use an
2: Xbox Connect camera. yeah, And they map it onto a scene, and then some voodoo happens, and then a stick figure shows up, and then they go, oh, a teeny tiny figure, and they're like, oh shit, it's a ghost, Aaron, and then they're all spooked, <laughs> and that's what I want to do professionally. Yeah. But only after I catfish the world into believing that I'm a good scientist.
1: Well, you know, a lot of these grants, they don't really check up on you. Depends on what you're working they on.
2: Don't. I could take this GRFP money and look and
0: into just cryptids um so there is a theory out there that exists in the year of our lord 2019 that um, yeah, and you
1: mean not a scientific theory i'm guessing no. that's where you're going <laughs> no
0: it is not a scientific theory okay. it's some crazy person who got money to have a documentary <laughs> it's basically a theory that you had like ape evolution and half of the apes went to the land were still land apes regular old apes if you will and the other half returned to the sea okay like yeah there's apes that became humans that makes sense that stands but these people are like some of them went back into the water and it's illustrated by a beautiful photo of just a chimp charging into the water and like (laughs) and those chimps that just decided to breathe water again the sea monkeys monkeys, if you will evolved into what we know as mermaids but what? Okay. Your proposed research. <laughs> My proposed research. This In this a- TED Talk, I will
2: outline. <laughs> this is a good segue into the fact that Megan likes to specify whether animals are land or sea animals. Yeah, that's um, true.
1: There was a period of time uh-huh. for what? A month?
2: Uh, it was like six six weeks to two months. It was a long yeah. ass time. Uh, okay. Where
0: I think I heard. Why are
2: we assuming
0: that that period of time is over?
2: <laughs> no one else on the, the planet, including people who study snails. Yes, they do specifies whether or not a snail is a land snail. Yes, they do. And so, Don't so they Megan... just
0: say it
1: taxonomically? Like no. Versus... I,
0: I have a book from the World Congress of Malacology, and multiple talks are called whatever of land snails.
1: And whatever, what's the other one? Sea snail? No,
0: snails. Okay, so it's land snails or snails. Yeah, but like, I mean, like, you know, the, they're like the water boys or the land
2: boys. Yeah. Well, nobody else calls them land snails. And there was a period <laughs> of time where Megan was going around the department asking everyone to bring her land snails so she could barbarize them. Yeah. And... (sighs) rip out you, you, their mouth Yeah, parts. literally cut
1: out their, the closest thing they and, have to a and tongue. And she got,
2: she got so mad at me and Taylor, because we had all these periwinkles that follow us home on our clothes after we do field work, and they're all in our mesocosms and they're in all the dirt we bring back. And she was like, well, why haven't you brought me any? And we're like, well, because you specified land snails, not wetland snails or ecotone snails. You know, you, you specified land snails, so we thought these were excluded. We thought literaria was excluded from this <laughs> by your specification. Yeah.
1: So because clear this is is this a side project no
0: no, I just, li- I just like Radula. It's just a weird hobby. Wait, that's hobby. a side project.
1: It's not part of your research. It's not, not going to result
0: in a publication. Oh, it's not a publication or anything. That's what I'm saying. So no, it's a, this is it's a just funsies. No, I know, that's what I call it. it's just a hobby. Yeah. That's what I'm saying.
1: I'm not agree- I'm not arguing with any of you.
2: Yeah, but I don't like your verbiage. I think it's verbiage.
1: I think it's verbiage. <laughs>
2: it's verbage. <It's> <laughs> One time I almost got arrested by the snail police. This is human men who came to my house to arrest me for having snails. What? What had happened was, <laughs> I had some escargot once a long time ago, and I said, geez, this is delicious. Right? I yeah. would like to have some more of this. So I did what any reasonable human being would do, and I bought snails on the internet to start my own snail farm in my closet. And so I went to the internet, as you do, and this is back before the dark web was a thing. Uh-huh. So I went on eBay, and I just typed in snails. I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't buying any illegal snails, so I looked up the federal registry of what snails are legal to. Because
1: you, are you're buying these from overseas. No,
2: oh. I bought them from in the States, but I wanted to make sure because, for for example, giant African land snails are a oh, right. huge agricultural pest, and yeah. they're actually popular pets. Yeah. So those are federally banned. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to buy some Helix Aspersa. Not listed. A-OK. Totally safe. I bought some on eBay. I bought four because I'm like, I'm going to do it on a small scale and make sure it works. Then one day there was a knock on my door, and this was when I was living in Boise, Idaho, and it's the U.S. Department of Agricultural Department. I don't know. The USDA. <laughs> Law enforcement <laughs> branch Alright and they came to my house And they said are you Summer Star and I said yes I am And they said did you buy some snails and I said Yes and they said those are illegal You need to get them for us right now oh And so I had to surrender my Snails and they they murdered them Right in front of me Yeah they put it in alcohol oh. And then I was like am I in trouble And they were like we'll talk to you later And they left and then a month later They show up at my house again with a strongly Worded letter and they said you aren't in trouble because we think you didn't know, but don't ever do this again. So <laughs> it, it was illegal to move them across the border into Boise.
1: That just seems just surreal. <laughs> it was wild.
2: It's one of my favorite stories to tell undergrads when we do like the snail dissection lecture mm. to be like, hey, you know the species we're dissecting? I almost got arrested for trafficking it. <laughs> wow. But in Boise, in Idaho, it is illegal to have four helix aspersa in your home, but it is not illegal to have wolves in your house. Where did you get the wolves? Craigslist. I thought that they I happened I thought you were being what? hypothetical. No, no. Wolves are illegal to own in Idaho. I got on Craigslist and some dude was on there and he's like, my mom says I can't have these wolf puppies. Will someone foster them for me while I get out of my mom's house? And I said, how fun. What a fun idea.
1: Oh, so he's going to take them back.
2: He was going to take them back. Right, exactly. So I was just going to h- handle, I was going to hold them for a friend. These yeah. aren't my wolves. I'm <laughs> holding them for a friend. Right. And so he brings these wolf puppies over with a big bag of dog food and he gives me like 80 bucks to foster these wolves, all right? I don't know if you know this, but wolves don't make good fucking pets. I was cooking some ground beef on my stove one day, and I come into the kitchen, and they're on the fucking stovetop while it's on, just eating ground beef. And I was like, get off the stovetop. And they just looked me in the eyes with no recognition of my Superiority as a human.
1: You are not the alpha of that pack.
2: No, absolutely not. Do
1: they are they loud?
2: Oh, they're they're loud and they're huge. Uh, did he take them back? Him. He took them back. Okay. Oh, okay. I, after like two he... weeks of this, I I emailed him and I'm like, you need to come get your wolves. That's like
1: ten bucks a day. Oh my god, <sighs> ripped off.
2: That's another interesting anecdote about myself. Uh-huh. I have the world's worst tattoo.
1: Wait, which one is that? I oh, have... this one. Yeah,
2: this one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a tattoo on my left shoulder of a 1986. Toyota Corolla. You have it is two, right? I or have is two it two cars? One is an RX-7, uh-huh. and one is a Toyota Corolla. So, what made you get the Toyota Corolla? Initial D, the anime about drifting. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. It gets worse. <laughs> not only do I have a car tattoo, but it's from a fucking anime, and it's not even good. Like, it's not even a good tattoo. It's not. Even somebody could at good least be like, "Oh, it's artsy." At least. Yeah. No. It's it's horrible. I got it done by a meth head at like 3 a.m. in North Carolina. All right, on on the eve of my first wedding night. I didn't know that.
1: Uh, this is so much more context that I that I didn't know.
2: Yeah. This is
0: amazing. Yep. Okay. Anyway, so about your tragic my life, tragic backstory. Yeah. yeah. On that so note. tell us about how you got into academia. How I got was it into like
1: academia? just a simple thing where you were like, Oh, I love animals. I'm were gonna... you born
2: next to an academic paper and then you were like, Well, I guess this is it? Yeah. That my thing. my given name was actually at all. Yeah. Actually, it was. Thank you for asking. My journey into academia was not straightforward.
1: <laughs> there you go. I had no idea. Yeah,
2: you had no idea. So I grew up super poor. My mom raised me more or less by herself, and I had a lot of siblings. And growing up, I just never had the language to say I wanted to be a scientist. It just never even occurred to me that that was a possibility. Mm. And I did grow up in the Chesapeake Bay, so around wetlands, around wildlife. My favorite things to do in the summer was to go to zoo camp and space camp and Mm. go to the Virginia Living Museum and learn about all the animals and look at the crabs for a while. But even then, it never occurred to me that I could make a career out of looking at crabs. It
1: wasn't going to go anywhere.
2: Right, exactly. This was like a fun thing I did in my my downtime. You know, I was just a weird kid who liked mud. Mm. You know, that's not a career. And then (laughs) I was also always teacher's pet. And if someone had told me when I was 12 that I could make a career out of being teacher's pet, (laughs) I would have been floored. But I had no idea that was possible. And Mm. so I think, you know, you see a lot in television Vision where in high school, somebody sits a kid down and they're like, oh, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? What colleges are you looking at? You know, your guidance counselor helps you, you know, fill out college applications. Mm. I never had that because I think every single person in my life also just expected me to go into a trade or work at a gas station like everybody else in my family. Mm. And so I never really realize that I could do that. Um, I started to go to community college when I was 17 during my first bout of homelessness, mm. and I was actually studying computer science, because that was something that I could get an associate's degree in and then work. Um, and while I was doing that, I was also working full-time at Walmart. And that gave me burnout really quickly. Mm. I don't know if you've ever worked full-time and gone to school full-time, but it's not fun. Yeah, I did while I was in community college. Right, it's not, it's not, a, good, not a good time. So I joined the military, um, and I was super overweight, so I had to try trained really hard to, to get into that, but I scored really high on my ASVAB, got into the military, and I said, I want to be a jet mechanic. Because at the time, you know, I had a $400 car that I bought off Craigslist, and I'd been fixing it out of necessity for a while. Mm. And so in my mind, I was like, well, I like turning wrenches, I can do this. So I went into the Air Force, became an F-15 jet engine mechanic. Did that for a while. Mm. It is not for me. <laughs> uh, I do not have the gift of mechanical intelligence. <laughs> Kudos to all the people who do. Mm. That is beyond me. Mm. Um, I did get a degree in it. So I have an associate's degree in aviation maintenance technology from the Community College of the Air Force. Wow, I didn't know that. To get that degree, I went to several colleges online, um, just kind of accruing credits. I took a lot of CLEP tests, where you can test out of college credit. Got that degree, got out of the Air Force, and started going to Boise State. And while there, I was studying biology, but I don't really remember why. I think I had aspirations of becoming like a lab tech. And we had a writing assignment in English 101 that was about place. And there was a dam near the town I lived in when I was in the military where there were a lot of white sturgeon Mm. below the dam. And white sturgeon are super fucking cool. Mm. They can be like 20 feet long. Um, I've always liked Animal Planet, so River Monsters (laughs) has always been a favorite of mine. And, you know, when they talk about the white sturgeon, it just blew my mind. And so I wrote about this dam, and for the assignment, I emailed a biologist at Idaho Power. And we were emailing back and forth about the sturgeon and how the dam affected, you know, their life history and all of that. And I kind of said casually, like, oh, you know, if you're going to go sample sometime soon, I'd love to go. Yeah. And he said, well, sure. So I got to go out on the sampling trip with him pulling up, oh, I don't remember what they're called, but these these long lines of, mm-hmm. of net. And we actually pulled up a sturgeon. It's eight foot long fish. Never seen anything like it in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was just floored. And I think that's what really started like the, the drive to continue through my biology degree. And so at this point, I'd been in undergrad for eight years, mm-hmm. um, just taking classes here and there. And I eventually moved back in with some family in Georgia following getting out of the military and finally buckled down and got my, my bachelor's degree in biology. And I started doing undergrad research with a fish physiologist. So she worked with lake sturgeon. And I was like, oh, man, I had this super cool experience doing field sampling for sturgeon species out in Idaho. Wouldn't it be cool to do that as a job? So I started working with her. Um, and we had a tragedy and lost all of our larval lake sturgeon oh, no. for our experiment. And so I was taking a research credit with her. You know, I came to her and she's like, well, you could take an incomplete and we could do it again next semester. You could drop the class, all this stuff. And I said, well, what if I do like my own project? So I proposed this project testing water chemistry and looking at historic amphibian populations using GIS. And so she let me do that. And I kind of fell in love with analytical chemistry, which I was never good at. And at the time I was also taking, um, I was TAing for biology and TAing for chemistry and And about six months before it was time to put in grad school applications, I said, maybe I could go to grad school. And even at this point, even feeling kind of the passion that I was starting to feel for fishery science and water quality and chemistry, even then I was still like, I won't ever be anything more than a lab tech, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so I started to have this idea that maybe I can actually do this. And I had a biochemistry professor, God bless her heart. I cannot do biochemistry. (sighs) I'm very, very, very bad at it. And she saw something in me that I could not see at the time. And she really encouraged me to look at grad school. And I did. And I got rejected from all six colleges I applied to. Saw this position on a job forum, applied, somehow got in. And this is like, I absolutely feel kind of called to the priesthood, if it were. I, yeah. I feel like I finally found my place. And so you said you're bad at biochemistry. Very bad at biochemistry. So what do you do now? I do biogeochemistry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah have the geo in there. Are you good at
0: geology?
2: I'm good at geology. Okay. I'm good at geology. I like Chemistry, yeah, and I like biology and yeah. I like geology. I don't like biochemistry. I like the part of chemistry where we're talking about nutrients and metals and things mm-hmm. like that. I mm-hmm. just don't like the part of biochemistry where we talk about protein synthesis. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know Kreb's cycle mm-hmm. at this point. You know, it's what is that? At this point, is I'm, that that bit? At this point I'm afraid to ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a. I'm gonna have a master's degree in biology, and I could not tell you what the Kreb's cycle is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've taught the Kreb's cycle to students, and I still have somehow not retained any of that. knowledge. We don't have to be an expert on everything. Mm -hmm. I know more than both of you combined about denitrification. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: But you know way more than me about anything about c elegans. I still don't know what that is. (laughs) Yeah. And again, I'm too afraid to ask. Uh But I still think it's important that you know more than your specialty. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do agree. I think that's something that's about the interdisciplinary.
1: Yeah, and we've talked, I talked a little bit about, for me, of being in a lab where my PI does not work on what I work on, you know what I mean? Right. And how like, that's actually been extremely beneficial to me. And there are probably lots of people who would not expect that or would think that, like, oh, you're not in the right place, you're wasting your time, that kind of thing. But I wouldn't trade it, you know what I mean?
2: Right, and I um, think um, I think for me, having kind of this diverse set of, of experiences that we've kind of been talking about hmm. has really led to me being kind of a more creative thinker. So. Um, like what I'm studying right now, I'm, I'm looking heavily at fungal denitrification, which is kind of a controversial topic in biogeochemistry. I know that might not sound super polarizing for <laughs> yeah. most people, you know, fungal denitrification. Mm. But I had the idea because I used to go mushroom hunting with my hippie roommate. Mm. And I remember one time we were out at this this park looking for mushrooms, and we weren't having any luck. And I said, well, what's going on here? And this is back before I really knew what I was doing. Mm. And he said, well, this is this is a, a regrowth." Forest. This isn't an old growth forest, so we're not going to find any mushrooms here. And when I came here, you know, my advisor had this really interesting site where we had this natural wetland versus a man-made wetland where they had pulled up all the trees and Mm. tried to put in a wetland, and it wasn't functioning right. And I just kept remembering that conversation I had with my roommate, and the first thing I thought of was, well, what if the fungus is messed up? And that led me down the rabbit hole of paper exploration, and I took it to my advisor, and he said, no, that's not a real thing. You know, that's that's not something that's happening. Mm. We would have seen it, there would be papers about it. Mm. And I pressed the issue, and sure enough, I've got this really cool, interesting topic Mm. Got the GRFP, and I think a lot of that I have to owe to my weird background.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think, but I feel like you can tell when people have that kind of like one track mind in a bad way, For like sure. just from talking whale, to whale them. people.
2: Well like marine <laughs> biologists who are like, I'm gonna study dolphins. I love dolphins. Right, I'm gonna right. study them. Yeah, 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 yeah. and I think, I think part of my like, I don't know if you can call me successful. I'm still a grad student.
1: We, I mean, we talk about you behind your back and say that you're successful. Right, so, yeah, yeah.
2: right. And I, I think if I'm not bragging, I think part of my success is because I am kind of a fluid thinker. Mm-hmm. I'm open to new, new directions. You know, I, I never thought, oh well, I'm definitely gonna study surgeon. You know, mm-hmm. my life has kind of moved in this kind of snake-like pattern. I don't Mm -hmm. always see what's up ahead and I think that is part of my success is being kind of fluid and being kind of dynamic and and resilient when it comes to ideas. I think if I had been like I'm going to study fisheries and just stuck with it the whole time, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be nearly as successful as I am. I think D&D is a really interesting place, space Mm -hmm. for creating creative problem solvers, you know? I don't know if I'm a quick learner, but I like to think that every time I DM for you fucks, I I get a little faster on my feet. Oh. Um, you guys stump me literally constantly, yep. and so it challenges me to be able to come up with solutions to the scenarios you bring me mm-hmm. when you've disrupted my scenarios. Mm-hmm. And I think that's making all of us who yeah. play in that group a little sharper, a little quicker. And maybe that's not quick learning, but quick thinking. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, I think those those scenarios that we kind of conjure up and play through mm-hmm. really do kind of prime us for similar scenarios. As similar you can be mm. in the lab. Mm-hmm. You know, when I give you, well, you have these tools in your inventory, you're in this scenario, this is what's around you, come up with a way out of this situation, mm. you're going to be put in that situation in the field. You're going to be put in situations where, well, I thought I had these items, but it turns out I don't. And what what can I do to continue to get the job done? Mm-hmm. How can I think on my feet? How can I fix this situation now? Yeah. How can I do it for myself without having to go to my advisor and ask? you know hey how do i do this And mm-hmm. i think i think it's a really interesting analog to be able to do that in a safe space with friends and food and beers yeah. um and it's kind of that uh what are they parallel problem solving a little yeah. bit parallel skills yeah. Oh, there's a specific phrase oh
1: yeah, yeah. i know what you're talking about though yeah
2: where you learn you learn one skill and it's not necessarily identical to another skill you need but the same basic ingredients are there
1: yeah I feel that way sometimes with like lab work and like cooking, honestly.
2: Right, absolutely, Yeah, absolutely. Mise en place, I always call it my mise en place when I get everything out. (laughs) Get everything out. All my jars and all my reagents and I put it out in front of me, I call it my lab mise en place. That's
1: awesome. (laughs) Also, another like scientific skill that I think is really, uh, comes about in D&D is um, thinking of alternatives or alternative explanations.
2: Exactly. Because
1: we have to do that all the time in science, you get data back and it's really easy to say, hey that looks like the thing that I was hoping for, the thing that Mm -hmm. I was looking for, but you have to sit down and create an exhaustive list uh, you know, what maybe, else could be causing this right trim. maybe yeah. you know oh this bacteria perform as well as this maybe they don't freeze equally maybe this one doesn't really tolerate the freezer as well and it comes out and it's really sick or maybe you know you have to think of all these things and I feel like you know that comes about in DD a lot where it's like okay we're gonna go confront this guy shoot does he know that we killed X does he <laughs> right. is he? Inc- inc- you know okay maybe if he does then he'll get mad and you know you, you have to think of all these alternative explanations and kind of carry them out to their logical conclusions and you does know
2: does he know where the little
0: boat lives. does he know where the little boat is yeah who, um, who here knows where the fucking little boat lives
1: brought the fucking little boy <laughs> <boat> <laughs> Jesus. What did
0: I say to you that one time? Do you think we would be friends in the wild? Yeah. What did you
2: say? You said, isn't it weird that we're friends? Isn't it weird that
0: we're friends?
2: After I showed you the song of my people. Yeah. You said, isn't it weird that we're friends? But you like my music now. Yeah. I showed you all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. I like it. When I first showed you my weird stuff, you said, isn't it weird that That we're we're friends?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, because it's true. It's like when you put us all together in a room, you wouldn't be like, these people in high school would have been... BFFs right. But we all hang out. And Literally we have family dinner every Sunday. We yeah, do. <laughs> like, with Bubby. With Bobby. <laughs> person. I mean
1: think of I mean think of like I'm just trying to think of kind of like if you compare like Brian and then like Wes and mm-hmm. then like Taylor, we're very, very different people. Right. But it just works.
2: I think too, I think having a diverse background to pull from in the department mm. makes us better science communicators. Oh, hundred uh, yeah. percent. I, I think especially for me, I'm in I'm in wetland conservation. And I think it's so important that I can speak the language of stockholders. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you go to rural Alabama, Mm -hmm. you go to these communities where water conservation is a desperate need. Right. The culture in those areas is not going to be what these scientists who came from affluent backgrounds and who knew from 12 they wanted to go into this. Mm -hmm. They are not necessarily going to be equipped to speak the language of the the stakeholders Mm -hmm. in rural Alabama. Whereas, you know, people like me who grew up in in poverty in these communities, you gain this ability to understand the values and the culture Mm -hmm. of those communities. And I think that's really important because whereas the affluent people have the ability to operate within that language Mm -hmm. and affect change and communicate science to that culture, we also need people from other cultures who speak those languages who have the ability to contextualize science and conservation, mm-hmm. especially, and make it meaningful to those communities? Yep. Because if you can't make it meaningful, the the people it's not are going to reject it. Yeah, it's, it's not, not going to stick. You can't go to Bubba Gump's farm and say we have to take your land because there's a yellow-bellied fucking land snail here. Mm. That's that's not going to work. Yeah. You're going to get pushback. You're not going to get any effective change. But if you go and you say, hey, you know, I know you value farming, I know you value value hunting or whatever it is that those people care about how can I help you preserve those opportunities for your future kids how can I help you preserve this land for your community to use mm-hmm. you can't come in and say well all life has intrinsic beauty so we have to take this from you or we have to implement these measures that's that's not going to work yeah. or if it might work but it's not going to be as effective yeah mm-hmm. going back to d d yet again <laughs> you know your party needs a healer your party needs mm-hmm. a, a meat sponge a bullet sponge. Your party needs a spellcaster. And it's the same when it comes to science. You need someone who has a background in molecular genomics mm-hmm. and who can travel or who can can code. You need someone who's good with their hands. You need someone who understands zoology. You need all those people. You need all those traits. And I think being able to learn from those people and take those things forward with you is invaluable. Yeah.
1: Yep. Well, thank you for watching for for watching. <laughs>
2: thank you for watching
1: yeah. our
0: voices. So
1: thank you for listening to episode four of the Yacademia podcast. I am Lewis Bubrick.
0: I'm
2: Megan Yapchungo. And I'm Summer Star.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have a Twitter. It is at Yacademia Show.
2: And if any wetland ecologists out there are looking for a motivated, driven, interdisciplinary PhD student, my website is <gasps> summerstar.com. That's wow. S-O-M-M-E-R S-T-A-R-R dot
1: You're a natural. <laughs> Turning on their radio voice.
0: <laughs> and I kept putting the ice bucket on my head and going up to Nick, and I was like, I'm a mushroom. <laughs> and then I... he was like, what are you doing? And then I started, like, b- talking about him in the lab, but, like, as David Attenborough. And then I was having the mushroom hat on, I was like, hey, hey Nick, I'm really good at parties. And he was like, why? Wait, is like, that your David Attenborough? <laughs>